Welcome to Questions from the Closet. I'm Charlie Bird. And I'm Ben Shalati. Each episode, we discuss a question that we commonly get asked as LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. We are not trying to answer this question or come to a consensus, but simply sharing our perspectives. Today's question is, should I stay single and celibate? Ben and I are not terribly diverse, and we share many opinions and life experiences. For example, we are both currently single. However, there are some pretty big differences. For example, I have been single for a lot longer. (laughs) I don't know when your last date was, but my last date was February 14th, 2015. 2015. So that's over five years. Yeah, it's been a long time. He's a single man, folks. I gotta tell you, though, I have never been hotter because no one is more attracted to someone than... Wait, wait. He's hard to get. As yeah, as <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm unattainable, and that makes you more attractive. <laughs> so on our show, we do our best to provide a variety of voices and perspectives, but today's episode is a little bit different, and it's just going to be me and Ben. Yeah, as Charlie and I were, were considering who to have on this episode, we kind of felt that a lot of people in the past have said that they like set a life plan for themselves, said, this is what I'm going to do, and then end up changing that life course. We don't want to put someone in a position where they're going to say, well, this is what my life is going to look like and this is what I'm going to do, and then change their mind but feel like they're kind of locked into that. And we realized with all of our episodes that's possible, but we just felt like with this episode in particular, we didn't want to put anyone in a position to have to say, this is what my life is going to look like, when it might not always look that way. Yeah, and I think on top of that, most people in this space are still closeted and so not really open to kind of being on something like this and being public. So so we just figured it'd be best if we just kind of did this ourselves and we hope you don't get sick of us. So <laughs> here we are. So Ben, to start off, how do you feel about this term celibate? I don't care for it because I feel like if people see me as celibate, they're seeing me as not having sex. And I don't like to be viewed based on whether or not I'm having sex. And I had this uh, moment uh, when I was home for Christmas a couple years ago. I might have mentioned this before, but my, my mom has Alzheimer's. I was home for Christmas, and, and she had changed a lot. Like, she really uh, declined significantly. Uh, and I'd been gone for a couple months. I just remember talking to her and just realizing she was different and then going uh, into my room and just feeling, like, so sad and so lonely and so just wishing that I had a partner to share that moment with. Like, I just wish that I had someone to just, like, hold me and tell me it was going to be okay. And the closest thing I had was my sister, so I called my sister and we, 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 we talked through it instead. Um, but I feel like when people look at my life as celibate and saying, well, Ben, you're not having sex, like that really, to me, is really, that's what I'm looking for. Dismissive? <laughs> yes, that's the word. It's, it's really dismissive of what I don't have. Like what I don't have isn't sex. What I don't have is a partner. And that is a, a very different situation. Yeah, I think you make a really good point. I also really don't care for this term for a number of reasons. But one of them is because gay is not equal to sex, right? The experience of being gay is obviously like sexual attraction and intimacy is part of it. But there's companionship, there's compatibility, there's emotional and mental and spiritual attraction. And there's so many things that make up a sexual orientation and when we just reduce it down to sex, it, it gets, like you said, dismissive. It, it kind of like takes away a humanness mm-hmm. to a human. Or at least like a, a, a complete human because having sex, sexual relations is part of being human. Right, right. But like you said, it d- dismisses part of you. I've, I always say that I, I don't want to be like reduced to sex, right? And I think using this term celibacy puts a lot of emphasis, like you said, on sex. And, but I've noticed that when people say they're celibate, other people seem to to treat it like it's like you can like turn yourself off like some sort of like robot or or none like like a robot that's been turned off you know and so 
Um, and in fact, honestly, Ben, that's what I thought about you for a long time because what? it's true before I really got to know you and who you are, like I'd, I'd had a couple interactions with you and actually, can I just share this story now about yeah. the first time we met? <laughs> so the first time I met Ben, it was at an LGBTQ conference and I was still not really out. Like I was really putting myself out there that day. And I meet Ben, and we're in, like, this expo center, and he's looking at Wine Mountain out, <laughs> out into the distance. It was and, a gorgeous view. It, yeah, it was, and it was a really pretty day. And we were talking, and he tells me that he's a professor at BYU, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. I mean, I was an adjunct professor, but anyway. So, and then he's like, hey, you know, we should go to lunch sometime. And in and, and Ben's <laughs> mind, he's like, here's this, like, struggling human who's at BYU who I'm going to invite to lunch. But me, I'm like oh my gosh, this BYU professor is hating on me. <laughs> and I'm like, I cannot believe he had the nerve to ask me on a date. And I was like, maybe, sure, I'm pretty busy. <laughs> it's just funny, but like, so I guess my first impression of you is that you were into me. Please, you should be so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, I got to know you more and, and people often like describe you as single and celibate, right? Mm-hmm. And in my mind, Ben Shalati was no longer a person. Ben was like this unattainable life position of like robotic asexualism. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how I viewed you. I was like, how is he doing this? I can't do that. I can never get there. And I would kind of judge myself based on your celibacy level, thinking that you had just found a way to completely curb all of your attractions and feelings when really that's just what like this term had caused society or other people to think. Right. And it wasn't true at all. Yeah, I don't have an off switch. I haven't turned my sexuality off. I, I wouldn't describe myself as asexual at all. Like I would say, like within the bell curve of standard, like a, like the average person's sexual feelings, I say I fall within the average. Yeah, and it's interesting because as we talk about how being gay or sexual attraction is so much more than just sex, if you're turning off your whole sexual attraction and like labeling it as sex, thwarting that then at least for me, I, I saw that I wasn't able to really be myself, right? If, if I'm not honoring my identity, it was really affecting the way I was able to connect with people. Just all different facets of my personality that are affected by my orientation were also being shut down. And that's a really, really tough way to live. Yeah, definitely. Uh, just, just one more thought about being celibate. Um, I started to dislike that term so much that I just stopped describing myself as celibate completely. And I was at this gathering of LGBTQ Latter-day Saints, and this guy came up to me who, who was dating, and, and he said, so Ben, you're single and celibate, right? And I said, I am not celibate. And he was like, oh. I was like, oh. I mean, I'm not dating, and I'm not sleeping around. So. Yeah, but, and again, I just, maybe we should just, like, coin a new term. Shaladiism? No, oh, no thanks. <laughs> I'm a shaladist myself. Um yeah, I just, I think there's there's things that we need to unpack and I guess just educate ourselves and understand that, that there's a lot more to this than just not having sex, mm-hmm. right? And in our identities and in our relationship with God should not be based on like whether or not we're having sex. You know what I mean? There's, there's so much more to life. Than, and it's really hard for me, especially when straight people and like members of our church community throw that on me, like, thanks for being celibate. And I'm like, oh, you're missing the point. Yeah. You know? The hard part for me about being single isn't the fact that I don't get to have sex. Like, the hard part for me is, like, not having a partner. Like, not having something to go through life with. And the few partners I have had, like, like girlfriends and one same-sex romantic partner, 
they've made me like such a better person. Like just being with them just like made me a better person. And I just like love being with them. I loved just knowing that there was someone who had my back who was going to be there for me, who was, you know, if I wanted to go do whatever, they would go shopping or, or go on a hike or whatever it was I wanted to do, they, they, would, they would be there with me. And I miss that. And that's, that, that's the thing I'm giving up. I'm giving up companionship. It's sometimes really disheartening to me because I feel like the only way to be accepted in our church culture is if you are staying, quote unquote, single and celibate, right? People who have um, decided to take different life paths and date people they're attracted to often are kind of like marginalized and and not really taken seriously, right? It's like, oh, I'm going to discount your opinion or your feelings or your testimony now because you're making a choice that doesn't go along with the norm. Mm -hmm. And and that's really tough. I think... I don't know. I just, I'm glad we're talking about this, honestly, because there's, there's never cut and dried answers, but this is like conversations that I didn't grow up hearing, you know, just like even this, this baseline fact of sexual attraction is more than sex. Like that's not how I was raised or grew up. Mm -hmm. I'm glad we can talk about this. One thing people ask me all the time is the people who realize that they don't think a relationship with an opposite sex partner can work. So so they decide if they're going to stay in the church, they have to be single. Like, well, how do you deal with the fact that you're going to be lonely forever? Like I get, I get asked all, asked this all the time. Like, how do you deal with being like the, like the forever loneliness? And honestly, like, I'm not going to say that being single is easy at all. Um, but I think I'm one of the least lonely people I know. Like, uh, I feel like I have a wide breadth of relationships, like just tons of people who love me and care about me. And I'm really extroverted and I'm just very rarely alone. Like I'm always with people and I feel very loved and very connected. But what I don't have is that really one deep relationship. And so, and that's a, that's a different experience, but like, I don't really, like, I very rarely feel lonely because I just have so many good people in my life and so many good things going on. And so when, when people ask me that, I say, well, you know, how are you going to make a life worth living? The truth is that marriage doesn't fix anything. As I've, as I've grown and matured and, and seen uh, relationships of, of friends and, and, and as a therapist talking to a lot of married couples, a lot of people in marriages are very lonely and sad. And being married doesn't mean that you're not going to be lonely. I'm also asked that question pretty frequently. And I don't know, I, I, I try to not take a stance on what my life's going to look like in the future. My life changes a lot. And I just have decided that I'm going to check in with God always and, and live how I feel called to live. Like, that's my mantra. And I take things one day at a time. And part of the reason for that is because when I was looking at my life in big picture terms, it led me to feel really, really anxious and depressed. And it distanced me from having hope in Christ. So when, and and like, I really tried to peg myself under this like single and celibate label for a long time. And I was like, I'm going to be stalwart and true and tried and and just be celibate till death, you know? Mm -hmm. And as I was living with that, it, it made my life feel like something that, something to get over something that I wanted to be finished immediately rather than something to be lived and enjoyed and like superimposing this like huge big picture thing onto me really stressed me out every single day. I see that happen a lot of times with people who are using these terms single and celibate to like describe their, their life path. Mm-hmm. Cause like all of these things come together and you discount part of you. And at the same time you're, you're putting these like massive expectations on yourself that, that really today you don't really need to worry about as much. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. You know, I remember I had this one moment where I had two of my very best friends are Kevin and Allison. They live in Tucson. I introduced them to each other. And I remember as they were like falling in love and getting engaged, 
this one night, just like overhearing them like chat and fall in love. And I just remember thinking, all my friends are going to leave me alone forever. Like I'm going to be constantly left behind. And I remember writing my journal that night, just like feeling really sorry for myself. And, and then writing, I know that five years from now I'll be over this, but right now it really sucks. And five years later, I was living my very best life. You know, it, it was true. But sometimes, like, it's okay to just, it's okay to sometimes look at the future and just, like, feel overwhelmed and sad and feel despondent. Like, that's going to happen. But as I've looked back on my life, and, you know, I've got more life experience than you, but I'm still pretty young at 36, life has a way of working out in really beautiful, unexpected ways. And I've learned that if you had told 26-year-old Ben that I'd be where I am doing what I'm doing at 36, I would have thought you were absolutely crazy. Right. And yet I love my life. And so when I try and picture my life at 46 or 56 or 66, like there is no way I can even envision what that life will look like. And so I try to just trust that as I do my best to follow God's will, that he will lead me to a life that's more beautiful than I can imagine. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I completely agree. I resonate. Ben, as you're single, how do you honor your orientation? I like to make jokes. So, like, Siri always tells me to go straight, which I think is heteronormative and very rude of Siri to tell me that. Amen. Actually, my Siri is a man voice, and I call him Sirius. <laughs> uh, um, but also, you know, I, I talk about people that I like and people that I have crushes on. And if there's a TV show, like, with a male protagonist I think is, is, is intriguing, I'll talk about that. And so I don't hide my attractions. And when it's organic and natural, I, I talk about being gay, and that comes up regularly. So that's one of the ways I do that. How do you do it? Um, pretty much the same way. I remember one time I was talking to a friend, and she was like, what do you do when you see an attractive guy on campus? I was still at BYU at the time. And I was like, I look away, and I freak out, and I hate myself, and I tell myself that I'm bad. And she was like, oh. <laughs> you know, like, oh. oh. <laughs> And she was like, well, why don't you just accept that you find a person attractive and then, like, move on? <laughs> and I was like, you know, maybe I'm going to try it. So the next time I saw an attractive man on campus, I was like, wow, that's a really good-looking person. And then I kept walking, <laughs> and I was like, what's going to happen? And I was like, oh, it's just chill. Like, it's normal. Uh-huh. And so, like, I've normalized the fact that I am human, you know like and like it was okay for me to just be like oh that's an attractive person I'm attracted to that person I'm gonna go on with my day you know and and that was just a less rigid way to look at it and it is just so much easier if a girl is like oh I'm dating this guy I'm like show me a picture I'm like oh he's he's really attractive like Mm -hmm. like dang girl good job he's he's a beautiful man you know and it just feels natural and normal and yeah Charlie what's it like for you when you have friends who get married it's really hard, <laughs> but it's, it, it's, it's complex because, well, you know, I'll just share an experience. I, my best friend growing up, we've known each other since we were like nine years old and we were some of the only members of the church in my area where I'm from. And so we just kind of like stuck together. Our lives have all happened at the same time. We came to BYU at the same time. We were roommates. We went on our missions basically the same day. We got back at the same time. Like everything in our life is just, has been so like parallel a couple years ago, he got married, and I was the best man. I was super excited. I threw him, like, a bomb bachelor party. We had so much fun. I, like, threw the wife's veil and the pictures, you know, <laughs> helped arrange the flowers, you know, like, I was great at the wedding. <laughs> I'm good at that stuff. It's nice having a gay best friend. <laughs> it is. Um, and Except for me, I don't care for any of that. <laughs> Ben's not a design gay, but that's, uh, should I edit that out? Was that mean? No, it's true. I'm not a design gay. <laughs> Anyway, um, so I'm, I'm there in the, in the celestial room for their ceiling, and I was so happy for them. 
You know, I, I was like, wow, my, this person that I love found this person that I, he loves and, and they get to be together. And it, and it was beautiful. And I was really happy to be there in the temple with them. And I didn't expect this, but as um, they were going through like their vows in the ceremony, I was just struck with this, this intense layer of sadness. And, and it was really weird because I was really happy for him. Like I love him and I'm so grateful that he found this wonderful girl. But it was really hard to watch him achieve this thing that I want, you know, to, to, to have a, a marriage with someone I love and, and to commit yourself like wholly and entirely to this other person and to, to have it be blessed by, by the spirit and by the church. And I left and I was really broken. I was really hurt. And, and honestly, it was, you know, I, I, if, if I'm being completely honest, I used to judge people a lot for leaving the church or for, I I see a lot of um, LGBTQ individuals that seem to try to like numb themselves of their feelings with different coping mechanisms. And I never really understood that until that moment when I was completely worthy, really on my A game, right? Spiritually. And I left the temple after this beautiful experience with my best friend. And I thought, I want to numb myself to this pain because it was so hard to, to watch like the consummation of everything I wanted in this beautiful spiritual ceremony that I can't have. It was tough. And, and like for the first time I understood, I, I got, I was like, it's so painful to be a member of the church. And it, I don't know, where should we go with this? That's just an experience that I just shared. Yeah. No, I'm sad. <laughs> sure. That, that is, that, like, that is a sad experience. Like, that, that's a hard thing to, to experience to just see people move on and to have something that you don't get to have. Like that is a painful thing. I guess part of the reason I share that is because I hope that members of the church stop judging other LGBTQ individuals for their life choices because it's so much more complex than just meets the eye. It's not just because, oh, I want to go have sex, so I'm leaving the church and being with, yeah. with someone of the same sex. That, that, that's, not, that's not it. And then, and then it was also really shocking to me because I was the person who had been judging people who were leaving the church, right? Mm-hmm. And just like, as I used to call it, like jumping off the deep end. But then I was like, that's what I wanted to do. You know what I mean? Because it was just, it was hard. It was so hard to sit in that space. Yeah. And this is, this is a complex and long story that I'll share very briefly. But when I was dating this guy when I was 30, Jordan, he was on his way out of the church and I was trying to stay in. He was trying to pull me out and I was trying to keep him in. And that just didn't work. And eventually he ended things because it just wasn't going to work. We wanted different things. We were going to live in different worlds. And I changed my mind and I said, I told him I was going to pick him over the church. Like I was going to choose to be with him. And he being incredibly wise and kind said, Ben, I know you better than that. You choose the church over me in the future. And, you know, and he said something different. Who knows where I'd be right now? I, I get really, like, it really bothers me whenever someone says, well, Ben is doing this so you can do it too. Like I am one Jordan's decision away from being out of the church. But luckily, he loved me and cared about me and knew me well enough to help me make a decision that I that I couldn't make right then. Because I was making a decision based on fear. Like, I was afraid of being lonely forever. I was afraid of losing this person for my life. And he, was, and he said, Ben, I know you don't make this decision based on fear. We really need to stop looking at each other as poster children. Like, something to, like, 
level up to and, and rank with. I'm going to sound like a broken record. I said this in the last episode, but like everyone's life path is different, you know? I, I want to say something to straight people who are married. I remember one of my good friends when I came out, when I first came out, uh, she's one of the first people I told and I was really worried about being lonely and sad forever. Like that was my fear. Like those are the words I said again and again, I'm going to be lonely and sad forever. And she promised me that, that we would always be in each other's lives and I would always be part of her family. And she got married and things were totally different and, and it just didn't happen that way. But there have been some people like my friends, Kevin and Allison, who have made sure that I'm a part of their family, no matter what, like they make it explicit and they make it clear. And I remember when uh, the pandemic started, I, I went down to their house in Arizona and spent three and a half weeks there. Like three and a half weeks, that's a long time to be in someone's house. And when I left, they said, are you sure you want to go? Like you can stay longer. And, and when I moved away from Arizona, they made me promise that we were going to Skype at least every other week. So one of the things that's helped me so much is people in my life who have made sure that I am part of their family. And like, I love like my parents and my siblings and my nieces and nephews, like they're wonderful, but I, I need more than that. Like I need people, I need more people in my life. And so the people who make sure that I am part of their families, they have made all the difference for me. So if you have single people in your life, make them part of your family. You know, I want to be really careful when I bring this up, but one thing I see people do quite a bit is try to find loopholes within like single ship. Mm-hmm. And Ben, would you talk about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to tell anyone what to think or what to do, but <laughs> uh, I'll just keep going. I'm just, I'm just scared of this topic in general, and like I've, I'm, I was worried about this episode because I, I just, this is tough. You know, this is a conversation that people don't have. Yeah. Oh, I, I think we should say we should say don't look for loopholes, but just people. There are people who look for loopholes. Like there are people who are active in the church and in, in like committed same sex relationships but that are still living church standards right so and i'm not sure to call it a loophole but like that's the thing that people do well i I guess my only point with this and i don't know how much i'm going to edit this episode even because i kind of like this band i like this conversation (laughs) because honestly we're trying to figure it out too if i'm being completely honest Uh, like i said we're not the experts of any of this but oh please i've been single longer than most people (laughs) okay five years get over yourself there's one thing to like make conscious decisions to live a certain way. It's another thing to like feel forced into something or make decisions based out of fear or regret or shame, you know? And, and I think sometimes it just gets emotionally dangerous when, when your whole decision-making process is based out of, I'm scared of what's going to happen in the future. Yes. And, and, and like I said, it's, it's hard. It's weird. It's, it's ugly and complex, but like, I've, I've really tried to remind myself always to check in with God and, like I said, live how I feel called to live and just do that the best way I can and not, like, superimpose other people's ideas of what I should be doing or, like, religious conflict that's in my heart that kind of grows and turns into paranoia. Like, there's a lot of that stuff that's happening. And occasionally I've had friends who've gotten in, like, some emotionally turbulent relationships because all of this is compounding together and it's i don't know it's hard you you have to be honest with yourself you have to definitely yeah, what you're saying really resonates with me and i i guess you were talking about your sadness at your at your friend's wedding i used to feel that way too i haven't felt that way for a really long time though and i think the thing that changed for me is instead of looking at what i don't have and what people the other people do have and feel like i'm going to be constantly left behind as I've like gone to God and like received personal revelation, 
as I see people do other great things in their life, I see, well, this is the way God is calling me to live. This is what I'm feeling called to do. And even though people have other beautiful lives that are different than mine, I can see God guiding me on my path, and that makes that makes it okay. And so I feel like like personal revelation is kind of the antidote to jealousy. Yeah, because I was just going to ask that. Did you yeah. used to feel jealous of people who had like left the church and were in relationships? Of course. Oh, me too, all the time, and especially when people like left the church, were in a relationship, and then came back to church. I was so jealous of them because I was like, wow, they got everything I wanted, and then you know, like came back and were repentant and, and got to have all these experiences that I long for. Mm-hmm. And then came back as if nothing ever happened. And I was like, oh, I hate them. You know, and that's like, I don't know. That's, I used to feel that so much. I yeah. love that. Personal revelation is an antidote to jealousy. That mm-hmm. is beautiful. Yeah. I, I've never been jealous of people who have left the church, but I have been jealous of people who like get to find their partner. And... I'm going to back up there because I just did something that I don't like when people do. I assume that going into a same-sex relationship was leaving the church. I, I, I disagree with that. I don't know why I said that. I guess it's just because of, like, that's what everyone else assumes. And uh, honestly, that's the experience I had. Most of the time, people who were in same-sex relationships had left the church. Well, and I think that just goes back to this idea of, like, there aren't options. Like, for so long, it was ingrained into me that there were two options. You stay in the church, and you're single, and you hate yourself. Or you leave the church, and you find love, and you hate the church. You know, and, and that's not true. That's not the binary world that we live in. And, yeah. and like, not, I, not only is it like reductive, but it's so untrue. It's so untrue. Like there are, I know same sex couples that go to church. There are different options. And I think it's healthy to acknowledge different options and then pray about you and who you are and where you're at and go forward with your own personal revelation of where you need to be fitting right now. Yeah. One thing I'll add is people ask me the same question, like, how can you live knowing you're going to be alone forever. Like that, that thought never even crosses my mind because the way I see it, I'm fitting where I know that God needs me to fit right now. It could just be a coping mechanism, not thinking about my future that much. And it probably is if I'm being honest, but it's one that's really working for me. And it, it, I feel healthy. And the fact that I don't worry about these massive what ifs 10 years down the road, because I'm like, you know what? I feel great today. and I'm doing what I need to do today. And if tomorrow it changes, I feel like comfortable enough that I can make a change and be happy with that too and just follow God and keep my values and all of this past like religious and emotional like experience and growth that I've had are still with me. So I'm going to be in a safe place in the future and I feel okay with that. Yeah. And I I think this like trust in God that he's got our back and he's got a future that's great for us planned uh, is really important because I remember when I was like, I don't know. I, I think I hadn't even come out to my parents yet. I was like 23. And my dad gave me a blessing where he said that I would be saved in the highest degree of the celestial kingdom. Mm-hmm. And my thought to that, like my response to that in my head was, oh, shoot. Because that meant I had to be sealed to a woman forever. Oh, wow. And I remember like the idea, like that being so terrifying because like being married and having children like right now sounds like not what I want. The idea that like that was eternity. Like I don't want that heaven. Like exaltation to me, honestly, is, is unappealing. Totally. But at the same time, like, that's what I'm working for. Like, that's what I'm working towards. Like, I, I just trust that that this path is a path that God wants me on. And honestly, like, it's not scary or frightening because I've seen things work out so well. And I've moved around a lot in my life. And every time I've gone to a new place, I, I like, imagined what it was going to be like when I got there. And every time it was different. Yeah. Like, nothing like I expected. Totally. And so I know that the way I envision, you know, future life for Ben, I'm wrong. And the way I envision heaven, that's not it. 
things are going to be different when, like, I don't know how they're going to be, but I, I trust that God is, like, God is good and loves me. And at the end of life, he's not going to be like, aha, gotcha, here's your wife, sucker. You know? <laughs> no! <laughs> uh, but, the, but the reason I say that is, like, when I, like, the way people often try and comfort me because I'm single, they're like, well, someday you'll be married to a woman. I'm like, that's not comforting to me. Uh, we don't want that. Yeah. Like, don't give me an outcome. Like, help me build my faith in God. Oh my gosh, Ben, that's beautiful. That's amazing. I, I keep thinking, I, I don't want to dishearten people, but, you know, I used to look at people as examples of singleship, whatever. Singlehood? Singleness. Sing, singleness. And then they would not be single as they had, like, promised or whatever to do. And then I was like, oh, another example fallen. You know, and I, I don't want to dishearten people, but, like, honestly, most people aren't always single. You know what I mean? Like pretty much almost every gay member of the church I know has dated or had some sort of like romantic experience with someone of the same sex. Like mm-hmm. that is natural. It's normal. It's common. And it's probably going to happen. I, I mean, the truth is that, that I know many hundreds of gay Latter-day Saints and almost all of them have been in some kind of same-sex romantic relationship. Almost all of them. I mean, I've had the one... But that was a really important formative experience for me. I'm not saying that people should date, but it's it's just a reality. It's a lived experience for, for most of us. And that's that's part of life's journey. Right. And, you know, we plan on doing another episode on same-sex dating and experiences with that. But I think it's just important to note that, like, no one decision is ever damning nor final. You know what I mean? That is the beauty of agency and the atonement of Jesus Christ. Like, we can always recalibrate and see where we're at and see if we're happy and if we're and if we're facing God and we're going to stumble through this a thousand times and I guess for just anyone who's listening who's like really like trying to like grip on and and stay like single and celibate and and is dealing with all of this pressure like that's a lot of pressure to live under Mm -hmm. you know and if if you step back and just just like you're you're gonna be safe like Go ahead. What were you saying? Well, I was just going to say, sometimes people say, oh, well, Ben, you're single because you work at BYU. I'm like, no, I am not single because I work at BYU. Like, I, this is what I have chosen to do, and then I have also chosen to work at BYU. And if I chose a different life path, I could leave my job at BYU and get a different job. Exactly. And, and you would still be Ben. You know, you would still have a lot of faith, and you would still probably read your scriptures, and you'd still have close relationships with your family and friends. And you're not going to turn into, like, a worse version of yourself because you're making a choice that you feel compelled to make. Yeah. Can I share something that was a little helpful for me? Like Please. years ago when I was deciding like how to move forward. Yeah. Um, so there are people who are single by choice and people who are single by circumstance. And for me, it was really hard to feel like I was single and it wasn't my choice. And I feel like my heart really goes out to people who like wish they were married, wish they were dating, whether gay or straight and just can't find that person. And honestly, like for me, I feel like it's a lot easier to be single because it's my choice. Like, I don't feel like, I don't feel undesirable. I don't feel rejected. Like, I feel like, and I could be totally wrong, but I feel like if I were to, to pursue dating and marriage, I feel like I could be successful. And so I feel like, like making this a conscious choice instead of a circumstance has been so freeing for me. Yes, 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 yes. Agency is not about choosing between right and wrong. It's about the ability to choose. Like, that is empowerment. And so if you're making, like, conscious, intentional decisions about 
the life path that you're on and where you're at every day, then you're going to be so much more able to feel close to God and feel the love of others. You kind of like open this conduit to let like hope flow through you instead of feeling like you're cornered in like, like I used to like honestly feel like there was somebody with a pitchfork that was like shoving me into a corner, like stay single, stay single, stay single, hide yourself, hide yourself. And once I realized that wasn't true and that I could go anywhere in the room that I wanted to, it, it made me like, happier staying in the space that I was in. Uh, I really want to talk about like how to be happy single. Go for it. Yeah. Um, so one of the chapters that's really helped me uh, in the scriptures is, is uh, 1 Corinthians 12. And that's where Paul talks about the body of Christ. And he says, we can't all be eyes. We can't all be ears. We can't all be hands. We can't all be feet. Because if we were all eyes, then we couldn't hear anything. If we were all ears, then we couldn't see anything. Yeah. But God has made us different on purpose. And the body of Christ is, is filled with all kinds of different people. And as I felt a calling to, to be single, I tried to think, you know, what is it that I can do as a single person? And when I was living in Tucson, I uh, met this woman in my ward. Her name is Georgina. And she was in her late 50s. She has since uh, passed away. She was really anorexic. And she was like 70 pounds. And I drove her to church one day. And she just told me that she was lonely. And I said, well, let's go to lunch this week. And so I took her to lunch. And she asked me if I was a writer while we were eating. I was like, I guess. I'm going to write for school. She's like, well, I've been wanting to write my life story. Will you help me write my life story? And I was like, sure. Why not? And so every week we would go to lunch and we would eat. And then when, we were, when I was in eating, she would just tell me stories and I would just type them up on my laptop. We did that for weeks. And then we finished that and we kept going to lunch every week. So for a year and a half, I took Georgina out, out to lunch. And... You know, I was in my early 30s, and had I lived a quote-unquote like normal life, I would have had four kids, and I would have, would have had a wife, and I wouldn't have had any time to be with Georgina. But instead, as a single person, I had two hours in the middle of a weekday to spend time with this woman who really needed a friend. And, you know, and this wasn't like some great thing that I did. Like, she enriched my life so much. Like, she was one of the most important relationships I had in Tucson. And I remember um, after she died, her, her teenage son contacted me and and we hadn't told him that we'd like written this life story he found it in her belongings and he told me how grateful he was that he had this record of her life and you know that wouldn't have happened had I not been single and so there are things that a that a gay single man can do that a straight married man can't do and I want to be the feet or the ears or the the person that's going to do those things and so I used to see seeing single I used to see being single as a deficit but honestly it is one of my greatest strengths a couple years ago, I was a temple worker in the Provo Temple, and there's this phrase that's mentioned again and again in temple ordinances that comes from Genesis, where God commands uh, Adam and Eve to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. And so I thought, well, how can I, as a single person, like keep this commandment to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth? So I spent a lot of time pondering those words in the temple, and I thought, well, God, like to me, they'd always meant have children. Like all three of those words meant to have children. And I thought, well, God wouldn't use three words to say the same thing. Like, there must be something to it. So I started pondering each word. Like, what does it mean to be fruitful? What does it mean to multiply? And what does it mean to replenish the earth? And so, you know, being fruitful, like, our fruits are our works. Like, how do I have good works? Uh, what does it mean to multiply? Like, how do I multiply my talents? And I think multiply might actually mean just to have children. Uh, and what does it mean to replenish? And I realized I didn't know what the word replenish meant. So one day after working in the temple, I went home, and I went to thesaurus.com, and I looked up the word replenish. And some of the synonyms were to renew and refresh. I thought, well, how can I renew and refresh the earth? I thought, well, I could plant a tree or I could recycle. And that seemed really like shallow to me. And I thought, 
And as I pondered it more, like this was a weeks long process, I realized that the earth was made for God's children. So if I'm going to renew, refresh, and replenish the earth, I need to renew, refresh, and replenish God's children. And so I made a new goal, a new daily goal that everyone I interacted with would feel renewed, refreshed, and replenished because they interacted with me. And that's the way that I keep that commandment that God gave to our, to our first parents to, to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. And I can do that as a single person. And it's a really, it's, for me, it's been a really beautiful way to live. Yeah, that's so beautiful. It reminds me of the scripture in the Doctrine and Covenants that talks about how we are commanded to be anxiously engaged in a good cause. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it goes back to intentional living, like making sure that you're backing up your choices with like, actually, because that's where you want to be. Like, that's the space you want to operate in. And then that's obviously where you're going to be most fulfilled. Like if you're living your life according to your personal values, you're going to find fulfillment and that's not going to be easy. And like you were talking about in the temple, like I I love that you leaned into that discomfort to like figure out what that meant for you. Cause it was something that was kind of like, caused friction right and it's so interesting I, I always like am honestly astounded because I had a very similar experience with the same words right and so as we lean into those things that kind of like rub against us we can we can find answers for ourselves I like you feel called to be single right now I feel like this is where I need to fit right now and I'm doing it and I'm really happy like honestly I'm I'm really grateful and and I understand that I can pivot and do whatever I want in the future but like right now, this is what I want to be doing. You know, I'm not forced into it. That doesn't mean it's like always like fine and dandy. There's some things that like cause a lot of friction and still cause pain. And, you know, I'm sure if I went to another wedding next week, I would still have similar feelings. And, you know, sometimes if I go to the temple or I go to church, like it's still a little bit like sometimes hurts, you know? And so it doesn't mean that like I'm not in the right place because everything is not perfect. Yeah, definitely. And I would say for anyone who's like single and, and struggling, I'd say find your family, like find the people who are your family. Like right now I live with an 86 year old widow and about a year and a half ago, we were talking about the Come Follow Me program and I was just doing it on my own. And she said, so how does this new program work? I said, well, you read the scriptures every week with your family. And she said, well, what if you don't live with your family? I said, well, you do it on your own. And she said, maybe we should do it together. And so Charlotte and I started reading the scriptures like almost every day together. Like we did the come follow me reading every week and I would have friends over often in the evenings and, and they would read with us. And these were like the, the most beautiful, fun experiences we, as we just like talked about the scriptures and laughed and often ate food. And you know, like what a beautiful life I get to have, you know, I'm sure Charlotte would rather have her husband there who was passed away. Would I rather be with my spouse as well? Yes. But instead we have each other. And I think that God can, can do a lot to, to give us the people in our lives who are going to really make life beautiful and meaningful. I spent far too many years of my life being sad about something I didn't have instead of being grateful for the things that I did have. So, Ben, how do you feel about being single and celibate? <laughs> Honestly, I would say the better question would be, like, how do I feel with my life? Yeah. And I feel really good with my life. And my life happens to be a life where I don't get to have sex, and I don't have a partner, um, but I have a lot of other wonderful things. Great. How do you feel about your life, Charlie, single and celibate? I just feel really empowered that I can live how I feel called to live. That just makes me really happy. And that I can allow others to do the same. And that puts me in a a good space where I'm I'm happy with what I'm doing and I'm not jealous of what somebody else is doing. And I'm just, it's a healthier space for me. And I still hate the word celibate, but it's there (laughs) and I'm going to try to debunk it as much as I can. If someone asks you, should I be single and celibate, what would you tell them? I'd say, listen to my podcast. It's called Questions from the Closet. (laughs) (laughs) We have a 30-minute discussion about it. (laughs) 
Um, I, I would say, um, I would say realize that you can seek heavenly guidance concerning your identity and, and do what you feel like is best for you and where you're going to be in the, like the best spiritual, mental and emotional state and then go for it. Yeah. Yeah. And just going to that, I would say seek the guidance of the Holy ghost for a specific personalized direction on your path. Absolutely. Like that's the very best way to live. I am just so grateful that like right now, like I am in a stake where people aren't trying to marry me off. They're just, they just love me for who I am and just take me how I am. And I, I just feel very grateful that, that I, that I live in a place where that is, that is a possibility where people aren't trying to force me to be something, but just love me for who I am. Thank you for joining us today. If you have enjoyed this or other episodes, please consider leaving us an Apple podcast review. And as always, please remember that we do not represent the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or Brigham Young University. We are not trying to be prescriptive or tell anyone what to think or what to do. You heard two perspectives today, and there are many, many more. We encourage you to listen to other voices and hear a wide variety of experiences. If you would like to submit a question or share a comment about today's episode, you can email us at questionsfromthecloset at gmail.com. Until next time.